somebody save me. Um, love this show. The, love this show. This is Alex. And this is M. Welcome to the latest episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. This is the podcast for TV lovers, movie buffs, and binge watchers of all ages. On this podcast, we'll be discussing what we loved, what we hated, and what's just a bit problematic about the TV and movies that we're addicted to. And do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer over on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Today we're discussing the first three seasons of the WBCW's iconic superhero teen drama, Smallville. Based on DC Comics' most popular franchise of all time, Superman, Smallville follows the journey of a young Clark Kent from a small farm in Smallville, Kansas, to the big, bustling city of Metropolis. We get a front row seat as the boy who would become Superman navigates friendship, family, romance, and wanting to be normal when he's anything but. Smallville solidified the network as a prime time contender, but how does this show hold up 10 years after its finale? Stay tuned. Alright everyone, here are some critical details on Smallville. The series is classified as an action-adventure, drama, and superhero. The developers are Alfred Goh and Miles Miller. It's based on the Superman franchise of comics and um, television uh, adaptations and film adaptations by DC Comics. Smallville was released from October 16th, 2001 through May 13th, 2011. It aired on the WB from seasons one through five. And then when that network uh, shifted into the CW, uh, the last five seasons, seasons six through 10, were on the CW. It aired for a total of 10 seasons and a whopping 217 episodes. The series stars Tom Welling as Clark Kent, our protagonist. He is a Kryptonian prince and the adopted son of Martha and Jonathan Kent. Kristen Crew as Lana Lang, Clark's next-door neighbor, classmate, and crush. Uh, she was actually orphaned due to the meteor shower which brought Clark to Earth. Michael Rosenbaum as Lex Luthor, uh, excuse me, Lex Luthor, son of billionaire Lionel Luthor, he was sent to Smallville to run a fertilizer plant. Allison Mack is Chloe Sullivan. This is a character invented specifically for the show. Um, the Chloe character did not exist in the comics, but after her, the success and the popularity of the Chloe Sullivan character on Smallville, Chloe was later retroactively added to the newer comics. Chloe is one of Clark's best friends who has unrequited romantic feelings for him, and she is a budding journalist. Annette O'Toole stars as Martha Kent, Clark's adopted mother, Jonathan's wife, and then later a Kansas state senator. 
John Schneider as Jonathan Kent. You guys might though your your parents and grandparents might remember him from Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. <laughs> he is Clark's adopted father and Martha's husband. Uh John Glover as Lina Luthor. He is another character created specifically for the series. He is Lex's father. And he also facilitated the Kent's adoption of Clark. Um, the show creators actually created Lionel to be a juxtaposition of extreme parenting. He's basically supposed to be the polar opposite of Jonathan and Martha when it comes to raising children. Sam Jones III as Pete Ross, Clark's best friend. This is a character whose race went from the comics because Pete Ross was Caucasian in the comics. Um, Pete is the first person Clark voluntarily tells his secret to. Pete also happens to be in love with Chloe, but never admits it because of her feelings for Clark. Erica Duran stars as Lois Lane. Uh, she's Chloe's cousin and Clark's eventual friend and love interest. Laura Vandervoot as Cara Zorel, um, aka Cara Kent. She is Clark's Kryptonian cousin who was in suspended animation for 18 years. And uh, she's also known as Supergirl. Aaron Ashmore, not to be confused with his identical twin, Sean Ashmore, as Jimmy Olsen. He is Chloe's photographer boyfriend at the Daily Planet. Last but not least, Justin Hartley is Oliver Queen, a.k.a. the Green Arrow. He is a CEO of Queen Industries and the leader of the Justice League. These are some of our major players, although there are a few more depending on the season. But Smallville obviously had a lot of seasons, a lot of episodes, and therefore a lot of important guest and recurring characters. So let's jump into it. Season one was 21 episodes long. Let's talk about it. Right. So Smallville is like, a really interesting show. Like, so Smallville is basically like Smallville birthed all these girls. Like Smallville is the superhero show that made like networks like really believe in superhero shows because, and in terms of like that, you could really create like a big world in like, or like there, there was a world to be created in a sort of superhero genre because like, Obviously, Superman as a canon is, like, like has always been, like, really famous. Like, Christopher Reeve being, like, the most famous Superman to ever, like, be. Um, who Christopher Reeve even shows up on a couple episodes of Smallville. Uh, the show sort of honors his legacy. You had, um, and then you had, I think, like, in the 80s, uh, Lois and Clark, which was, like, a, a short, uh, which was a short-lived series which was a short-lived series. So when Alfred Coog and um, I cannot oh go I can't I'm sorry Alfred go. I know there's a lot like, of letters, but you know they like letters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when go when Alfred go and Miles Miller like you know started developing this show, like nobody wanted this show. <laughs> And everybody was like, "What is this? We don't want this. This is dumb. Like I don't even know." But WB eventually took it, and that was it. And it was a huge hit. And, like, watching the show back now, like, particularly in this first season, like, I get it. Like, I, I, I understand, you know, it's all about finding that winning formula and, like, what formula you can attach to something that's going to make something work. 
because Smallville season one does um, essentially takes the same. Yeah, Smallville season one does the exact same in terms of storytelling, does the exact same format as like, and I hate to be bringing them up again, but like um, it is like relevant. And this is what happens when you are that bitch. But like um, Smallville season one does the same formula and takes the same approach to storytelling formula wise as Buffy the Vampire Slayer does. They do the same thing. Like even the way the world is constructed as the audience understands it is like straight Buffy. So like on Buffy and we know because eventually when like James Marsters shows up, like in the fifth season, there's like Mm -hmm. a whole sort of like tribute episode to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's not really like, yeah, there's essentially like a whole tribute episode to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So they knew what they were doing when they, they knew that they were kind of like scooping when they started the show. So in the same way that Buffy's like, you know, all these demons and things are at like, are in Sunnydale because, you know, of this entity, this, you know, ent- entity called the Hellmouth. The same, it's the same, and that's how we get, like, that's how Buffy gets, like, our monsters of the week. It's the same thing on Smallville. So all of these entities in the world, these quote-unquote meteor freaks, are all here because of a, like, a, a meteor shower that happened however many years ago. And all these meteor rocks hit Smallville. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's how we get our meteor freaks of the week. And then through that we tell and then through you know our freak of the week formula like in in episodes we drop in sort of these larger we drop in like a larger plot point with regards to Clark and Jarrell and his daddy and their daddy issues and all that stuff and so it's 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 so so great to revisit season one it was so it's like I loved it so much it was like a blast from the past uh and and it's it's incredible right i agree i i felt the same way about smallville oh going into the show again was so great because i've this is like the third time i've watched smallville from start to finish i watched it again back in late 2016 like in december 2016 i watched this series again to refresh my memory and i was really surprised and impressed by how good it was especially those initial seasons so like alex said buffy had a monsters of the week uh, situation in that first season and smallville has a villain of the week situation um and you kind of see uh clark grappling with doing the right thing and just trying to blend in and be a normal high school kid so let's go back to the past a little bit When Clark was around four years old in 1989, uh, a meteor shower brought him to Smallville. Like, he arrives as a little boy. Um, And that meteor shower um, hurt a lot of people. As I already mentioned, Lana became orphaned. Both of her parents died because of this meteor shower. Other people weren't harmed. They were just changed on a molecular level and were given... Um, powers. Some of them, they know of these powers, some don't. Some of them, their powers haven't fully manifested yet, but they are as they continue to grow older. Some of these people are good people, and some of these people are not so good people. So when we open up, um, 
we get right into the meat of the action. Like uh, we we find out about the meteor shower. We know that Lana Lang is an orphan because of it. It's 12 years later now. Clark is 16. It was so interesting watching the show the first time being the same age as these characters because I really it really made Smallville feel like a real place. That was just a you know plane right away. <laughs> um, uh, and we introduce the Lex Luthor character because Clark saves his life. Um, he uh, almost drove off a, a bridge in his Porsche and Clark saves him. And Lex is so thankful that they become really close friends. It's the first time anyone has ever done anything for him without knowing his name, without knowing who his father is, without money being exchanged. And we're also introduced to Lana's boyfriend, Whit Whitney, who like, seems to be the only <laughs> he seems to be the only person other than his friends who can see very clearly that Clark is in love with Lana and he feels very jealous and very intimidated by this. I don't know how they expect me to believe that someone Tom Welling's stature is going to be the victim of hazing, but okay. Right? I was like, he's so... Tom Welling, like, looking back now, like, Tom Welling looking like a teenager really only lasts for, like, two episodes. And then by episode five, he's, like, so built out. And I'm like, oh, this is a 30-year-old. Like that first episode, they do the little hazing ritual. They put him in the cornfield. He's tied up to this post, and there's like eight abs. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're like, oh, what? You getting bullied? Make it make sense. <laughs> uh, Clark is very nice, but one of the shows, one of the things that I didn't like in season one, and because the Whitney character is written off fairly soon, we don't have to deal with this for much longer. This idea that people see Clark as weak, where? Where in the world? <laughs> right. Tom is well over six feet and his body looks like that. Please stop. Like he was working construction before he's, he, he got on the show. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, make it stop. But that we, we, this is the scene that we set up and shout out to them naming her boyfriend, Whitney, because a uh, fun fact that that was actually a unisex name along with Lindsay, Leslie, Ashley, Kelly, all those used to be unisex names until boys decided to stop naming, uh, people decided to stop naming their boys that because too many girls were being named that and hashtag misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Whitney is about, he honestly, he's as tall as Tom Willing, but he's not as built as Tom Willing. He looks about like two thirds his size. I don't understand how this could happen. Um, honestly, um, I felt like they should, if anything, they should have been trying to pressure Clark into joining the team, which eventually does happen. <laughs> right. Uh, but, um, we deal with our first uh, quote-unquote meteor freak, uh, who is this kid who was left in a coma after the first shower. He finally wakes up, and he's on a warpath. Right, right. And it's, it's, it's wild. And so, yeah, so we're introduced to this. We're introduced to, well, Whitney's not important. And, like, he's very quick, like... Uh, that was something I, I remembered watching this season. I was like, wow, like Whitney doesn't, isn't, I don't know what his purpose was, but like. He was just can... supposed to be the, the first obstacle. You know, they kept giving Lana and Clark obstacles and it was really annoying. Right. But, um, but the real, but, uh, like any other show, the real, the real, uh, stars, uh, in the energy will, will emerge. And, 
Smallville is no different. And in my opinion, Star- Smallville isn't so much a story about Clark Kent as it is like a, a Lex Luthor villain origin story. Yes. <laughs> like, and that's what makes it really great. Because you don't under you don't even fully understand this is happening until well into season four. Yeah, like well into. I think it really becomes apparent, like at the end of season one, beginning of season two, that you're like, oh no, this is what the show is actually about. I didn't even see it then because I because there was still there was still hope, right? There was still in the back of my mind that hope that Clark would finally tell Lex the truth. Once he knew him enough, once he trusted him enough, once they'd been through enough together, he would tell him the truth. But then by season four, you're like, there's so many years and layers of gaslighting and lies and manipulation and subterfuge. And like, I just, and I'm just like, you, like, you can't overcome it anymore. At that point, too much damage has been done. (laughs) See, that's interesting. Cause to me, like by end of season by beginning of season two, I'm if, I'm if I'm Lex, I'm done with these people. Like I'm I'm really finished. Like I'm completely like okay. Well, let's get into it. So like so season one, season one, we're we're really just introduced to these characters in the world and Clark's relationships, and obviously Clark is in love uh, from afar with um, Lana Lang, uh, who is at least in these first couple of seasons, as interesting as watching paint dry on the wall, which is unfortunate because they do, I really feel like they try to, like, give her things to make her, like, gritty, but, like, Kristen Kirk is just not taking any of them. <laughs> like, um, and, you know, with his, and then, you know, there's they sort of, like, solve slash all the weird mysteries of the media freaks in this town with like, you know, his, his BFFs, Pete and Chloe, more Chloe than Pete, um, by his side. So, um, season, so, so yeah, so, I mean, if there are any particular episodes that stand out to you, you can like talk about them, but season one, so many so many of them so many of them were great i look back on this i'm like holy snaps who wrote this this is so fun this is so Um, fun yeah it's such a non-serious show i think that's what's so great about for that first season yeah it 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 was it kept it really light and i said this when we covered buffy that season one of buffy was actually my favorite because i like the campy little monster of the week energy and then we we get in we get out um, when too many people's feelings were at play, the show got really, really heavy. Um, I feel the same way about Smallville. I, I'm not going to say it's the best season, but I'm going to say it's my favorite season for that exact reason. Uh, episode two is so good. It's very reminiscent of Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. Um, you have that kid, Greg, who gets bitten by his meteor rock infected insects. And then he becomes like half man, half insect, and he kidnaps Lana to try to mate with her. So, spoiler alert, everyone in this school except for Pete has a crush on Lana. Why? Nobody knows. I don't know. I would have had a crush on her, too. I'm not going to lie. Kristen Crew is very pretty, and Lana has a very calm, gentle energy that I like. I like, like, the way the way that she speaks is really, really interesting to me. Um, she never raises her voice even when she gets mad, which is an interesting uh, trait, character trait. But yeah, of course, Clark has to rescue her. And of course, her meathead boyfriend takes all the credit for it. 
There's episode three where the coach uh, becomes pyrokinetic and he was already a hothead. And now uh, he's out here killing people. Uh, season four was is when Clark develops his X-ray vision. And it's sort of interesting to see that his powers are still developing well into his teens. Um, I guess this this is for him what puberty is to everyone else, right? And um, I think it's I think it's just like a good sort of like um I think it's something interesting to keep the show like to to keep with the show. Mm-hmm. Uh like, Oh yeah, I understand. This was not this is not like canon from the comics. This is def- this is seriously just Smallville. Um but I like that because everybody else's puberty is weird and awkward, so why can't yours be weird and awkward too? <laughs> Like, just be weird and awkward with everyone else. I like it. Uh, Lizzie Lizzie Kaplan actually stars as one of my favorite guest characters, a character named Tina Greer, who uh, had some bone disease, but thanks to the meteor shower, she can mutate her bones and her body structure to look like anyone else. Um, yeah, he, I was going to forget about the Lizzie Kaplan episode. It's really weird. And when she re she re-comes on the show, it's also weird. And it's weird in the way that, like, it's queerphobic. That's that's why. When she comes back, I don't like that episode either. But I do like the initial episode of her and, like, morphing herself into a billionaire to rob a bank. I thought that was very inspired. <laughs> um... Uh, yeah, I, I I think all the episodes of season one really do it for me. And uh, my fave, Amy Adams, uh, was the monster the or the villain of the week in episode seven. Uh, this girl creates her own diet uh, using meteor rock infected vegetables. And um, it goes badly, as you can imagine. Crash diets usually do, even without supernatural rocks. Um, Tony Todd guest stars on the show, Azora Sky guest stars on the show, um, and, uh, all of the episodes in season one, in my opinion, do a little bit more to, to show you that Clark really is a hero, even though he doesn't want to be, and do a little bit more to show you that when it comes to Lex, there's deep-rooted trust issues, Upon the rewatch, it becomes very clear that his distrust of Lex has less to do with Lex and more to do with his parents, specifically his father, always in his ear. Right. I was. That's like a big. Yeah, that's big. That's big in season one and season two, and it's and that's why I'm like it. And that's why I said it's like season one and season two. Yeah, are like yeah. It's I think from the beginning it it really is like a big Lex Lex Luthor origin story because. Um, you know, Jonathan is so yeah. Jonathan is constantly in Clark, like constantly in Clark's ear about like how Clark cannot trust Lex, even though Lex hasn't necessarily done well yet. Anyway, he hasn't necessarily done anything yet to to um, earn that distrust beyond just who his his family is and who his father is. Um, and in fact, there there are lots of times in season one where like Lex like really proves that he's trying to do the right thing and that he wants to do the right thing and that he wants to be good. And none of that um, sways Jonathan, who we realize sort of later is really acting. 
he's Jonathan is um in Clark's ear speaking about Lex ne- negatively really off of off of because of off of some shit that he did in ter- in dealings that he made with Lionel Luther a long time ago that he still does not feel right about for himself um right which and is that oh go ahead oh and and i said which is that like when essentially like when and this is something we i think we learned in the first season that when clark came like when clark crash landed on smallville in the ship that lionel luther was the one that helped smooth all the edges legally so that the kents could adopt him formally yeah, without, you know, any issues or any questions about questions. the legality or the origins of the child. Yeah. Um, it's really, really interesting because, like you said, it is a projection of his own guilty conscience. Um, not only do we consistently see Lex do the right thing, we see him do the right thing even when the wrong thing, which is the easier choice, is always an option for him. Right. And, like, I think one example is that is, and a big example of that is actually how season one ends. So, like we said in the beginning, Lex is banished, essentially, to to Smallville. Let Lionel, Lex's father, has banished him to Smallville. He's like, get the fuck out of Metropolis. Like, you're, I don't know, like, I'm tired of you. Like, you're, I'm tired of the partying and the, the, the Playboy bullshit and you're and you not taking anything at Luther Corp seriously. So go run this Luther Corp go run this Luther Corp plant at Smallville and get out of my fucking face and and grow up. And so that's why Lex is in Smallville. He's that's why he's here cuz he's been banned effectively exiled. And so by his father. And so Lex is living in this town. He's like the small town and he's running this plant uh, that, you know, is the lifeblood, right, of this small town. And he comes to find that he like likes it here. Like it's nice. Like he like he likes the Kents. Like he likes his little sort of pseudo he loves his pseudo little brother, um, Clark. He likes you know he buys the 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 talent and lets lana run it when she comes to him with the business plan because he wants to save this like this thing that so many people in this town care about and like he you know he makes a life for himself there and um the season ends with lionel coming to smallville and shutting down the plant and Lionel shuts down the plant. And why does Lionel shut down the plant? Because he says, oh, Lex, it's just time for you to come home. It's not and then because... he blames the son for it. <laughs> right? He blames his... Then he blames his... Blames Lex for it. And um, it's not because the plant wasn't doing well or, and it wasn't turning a profit and it wasn't valuable. He just did that off of some whim shit. Off of some, like... You seem like you have a happy life here and you're doing well and you're mentally healing from all the bullshit I did to you as a child and and have been doing to you since a child. So now it's time for you to come back because, like, I, I need somebody to be my whipping boy again. That's essentially it. And the thing that I hate the most about Jonathan is Jonathan goes on and on and on about how horrible Lionel Luther is. 
um, but has no compassion or empathy whatsoever for the son who was raised by him. Right? Like zero. He has absolutely none. And you project all of the hatred and distrust you have on this man against his child. Like he doesn't, he didn't choose who his father was. And he, I feel like he went above and beyond the first three seasons to prove that he's not like his father. And there was, there's even a uh, episode, I believe it's this season season or season two where Lionel cuts him off and he lives at the farm and he works on the farm and, you know, just like anybody else. And Jonathan's really, really impressed, but he still won't let up. And it's like, you won't give this person a chance. That's not a them problem. That's a you problem. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't understand why there's this so much energy towards Lex or I didn't understand until later on when I saw the scenes with Jonathan and Lionel. And it's very clear he's treating Lex the way that he wishes he could treat Lionel. Because deep down, he knows Lex is not like his father. If he really felt like Lex was like his father, he wouldn't be trying him the way that he is. <laughs> he wouldn't. You're right. You're right. <laughs> and it's, and there's so, and you know, the the excuse Jonathan always gives is, like, his secret. We got to protect Clark's secret. Because if Lex finds out, then, like, it's only a matter of time before Lionel then finds out. And if Lionel finds out, then it's really over in terms of, you know, um, like, Lionel will just, you know, kidnap you and, and you know, sell you up the river. And I respect it, that. But let's let's turn that on its head for a minute. You don't treat Chloe and Pete the way that you treat Lex, though. You actually treat them better. Even though you tell Clark to also not tell them the secret, right? Right. And and that's another yeah, but and that's one thing. It's like I and then and then I guess like, you know, Jonathan's always worried because he's like, well, the way it's the way Lex was raised. And like, listen, Lex is raised really crazy. We're talking about Lex is raised by a father who in season one sends a woman <laughs> to like Lionel literally picks out a reporter that like he knows is like his son's like type to like spy on his son to like report back to him. Like that is psychotic. <laughs> it is. And so you think someone who was growing up like that is going to like be close and like bond with his father. Um, you know, let's get a little bit more into Lex, too. So when we open, Clark and Chloe and Pete are, like, 16. Um, and Lex is, I think he's fresh out of undergrad. So he's, like, 21 or 22 at the most. Yeah, I think he's, like, he's mad young. Yeah, he's really, really young still. And there are two things that he's always wanted, or three things, and you know, with the Kent family, he has two out of three. He has community. He has a younger brother. Does he ha truly have acceptance, though? No, he doesn't. And I believe that that is the X factor in the Lex Luthor villain origin story. He accepted these people, but they never really accepted him. It's it's so much bigger than Clark just not telling Lex his secret, right? Right. Um, it's so much bigger than that. Y'all are literally playing mind games with him exactly like his father has his entire life. Right. That's, and that's a, that's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. So that's, so that's how, how season one ends with, with Lionel, like 
closing down the plant and Lex trying to then save the plant to to save this town. And he does that by by forming LexCorp, which is a uh, like and and by the way, like he drains his trust fund, by the way, <laughs> to I mean... attempt to save this plant. Listen, for these ungrateful ass people, I would I don't know that I would have done that. I'm gonna be very honest with you. Um, but he does that, which I feel was like one of the most redeeming things. And I feel like a lot of people who are judging him would have never would have wouldn't have inconvenienced themselves to that extent. Let's just say that. Um But season one, good, bad, or basic. Wait, wait, there's two more things that happen in season one that we need to talk about really, really quickly in that final episode. Number one. Whitney goes off to war and that's the last we see of him. Like Literally him is like, him. Thank thank you for that. The, the most disposable <laughs> character. I just... Number two, a tornado hits Smallville because it's, you know, tornadoes go to Kansas like white on rice. Um, and it's in the middle of the school dance and something was just about to happen between Clark and Chloe. But when he hears about the tornado and he knows that Lana's out there, of course he goes out to save her because that's who he loves. And that's how the season ends. Clark abandons Chloe at the school dance. It's, it's so cringe. It's so rough. But yeah, um, I think season one was actually quite good. Um, I think the 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 making the superhero genre palatable for teens and catering to uh, millennials rather than our parents was a stroke of brilliance. I think the casting on the show was great, even in the the guest characters or the recurring characters. Um, I think the casting was probably for me most strong with. The Clark character, the Martha character, and the Lionel characters. I can't imagine anyone else giving so much <laughs> to these characters. <laughs> right. I like John Glover really is exquisite as Lionel Luther, like and and will continue to be exquisite. Um he's terrifying. And, <laughs> he's so scary. Um, yeah, and that's yeah, for me, season one is a is a good too. Like the show is goofy. And it's it's a soap opera, and it's doing all those things, and that's what makes it so great um, and fun. It kind of combines like the sort, of, yeah. It combines like you know being like a soap opera and like a teen drama with these you know more um, sci-fi like fantasy elements, and they go so perfectly well together. And I I loved it. Great. Yeah, Solid good. It was giving me Buffy, but it was also giving me a lot of X Files. <laughs> it was. It's giving a lot of X Files. That's true. Um, um, I love it so much. So season two, season two, they got an extra episode. Um, so they had twenty two episode run for that season, and this is we're in the aftermath of the tornadoes because I think it was like three tornadoes out there, and they were like converging together. Yeah. Um, and man, how many times did he save Lana in season one alone? I've already lost track. <laughs> always needing to be saved. Oh, bless her. And it's not even her fault. Like the show doesn't do this thing where she's like, uh, where she's like um, incompetent or weak. It consistently puts her in situations that could kill just about anyone. <laughs> and I'm like, why y'all do this to this girl? Um, so this season is really, really interesting because he and Lana get closer, but he and Chloe's relationship is incredibly strained. In fact, 
Um, when he sees Chloe again after she's been away for the summer, interning at the Daily Planet in Metropolis, she, you know, very boldly mentions that um, she lost her virginity to some guy over there and basically is declared that she's no longer waiting on Clark. Right. Who? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. So season two is great. Season two has a, a bunch of other really great episodes and Clark's struggle once again, I think in this, in the second season is, is the struggle. It always is, is that who's going to find out my secret and nobody can find out my secret. And, um, all of that. Uh, yeah, but this is the season that Pete uh, learns his secret. Pete finds Clark's spaceship, which I'm like, why was that still on the property? Um, and not like, I don't know, in a storage unit, but whatever. He finds the, the spaceship, and so Clark voluntarily tells Pete that he is an alien. And, uh, you know, Pete holds it down, you know, like a real bestie would. You know, him. you know, the Pete character is token. Poor Sam. You know, it's really interesting and unfortunate. Sam Jones the third mm. is so like really plucky and all American. And there's definitely another universe where he could have been the Clark Kent character. Um, because he has that same sort of like all Americanness about him. Superman isn't a short king, though. <laughs> yes, he could be. You are just a height. Just you are height discriminatory. Probably. If they, if they make Ben McKenzie, they make Ben McKenzie stand on Apple boxes all the time because Ben McKenzie is short as hell. They do. Misha, they Misha do. Barton had to wear flats all the time. They could have found some apple boxes for Sam Jones III as well. Um, but Pete is our our token black friend, and he truly is token. Like he comes in in the episodes to like say a not funny joke, to like say a punchline with Clark. <laughs> yeah, and to gas up Clark, and that is like the extent of what he does on the show. And of course they play basketball together because he's a black kid. Why doesn't he play basketball? Am I right? Um, yeah. So he's like uh, somebody who that's unfortunate, but also at least, you know, you had a job. Um, and it's weird because like I said, this character actually did exist in the comics, but they race spent him. And it's like, as soon as he became race spent, you had to know what to do with him. Yeah. I think there's just like a, they don't, you know, it's one of those things where I don't think, White people just don't care about the inner, like, white people don't really care about the inner lives of people of color. Like, they think they do, but they don't really, they don't relate to them, they don't understand. So when you, so when they, like, are like, oh, yeah, we're going to erase Ben this character, and we're progressive, and we're so great, they end up not writing for them, because they, like, don't really know what to do, but they don't want to admit to themselves that they don't know what to do. Um that yeah that's exactly what happens let's get into some of the really great episodes of this particular season i have to say the standout there are two standouts for me number one it's uh episode two heat um there's a teacher at smallville high named desiree atkins 
who was uh, affected by the meteor showers. Uh, apparently, she was, uh, you know, this was 11 years ago and or 12 years ago, and she was a teenage girl engaged in uh, sexual activity. And now uh, her hormones are in a constant state of of uh, flare. So she gives off these amazing pheromones everywhere she goes. Everyone who's attracted to women is completely like slave to her. And so she has the ability to control them with these pheromones. And she uses, she tries to use her pheromones on Clark, but it doesn't really work. Um, and um, th- uh, this is after she convinces Lex uh, to marry her. Like he meets her, he's he's like the, she's the one, um, and she ultimately uses her pheromones on Jonathan. Not that it's to get him to to try to kill Lex so that she could inherit his fortune. Not that Jonathan needs much much, much pushing in this direction, <laughs> um, but um, of course Clark has to save Lex from this woman. And this was a really interesting take on the whole man eater type of situation. Uh, you know, she has these powers and she's using the powers for evil. Even the way this character is portrayed is so camp because as she walks, it look it seems to be like steam rising off her body. She seems like she's constantly humid at all times. <laughs> like, I don't get it, but it's hilarious. Uh, the, the actress, of course, is really, really beautiful. And I would say my second favorite uh, is uh, episode 14, Rush. Pete and Chloe are infected with these bugs that, like, heighten risky behavior. And Clark is wearing a class ring that has red kryptonite, which also causes... episode four. Is that episode four? Yeah, it's red. Is that red? Then Mm -hmm. what happens in Rush? Uh, they're just like it's. They're infected with the parasite that help. That, oh, okay, I that, got you. But it's not like um, it's not it's not red. Forgive me, you guys. It's episode four. Alex is right. It's red. He goes and gets a class ring. Jonathan says, "Don't get a class ring." Jonathan, he, this is the thing that I can't stand about Jonathan. Jonathan's like, "Don't get a class ring. You don't need a class ring." Rather than just be honest and be like, "We're too broke for you to get a class ring." Right. Um, Just say that. Like, there's nothing intrinsically wrong about getting a class ring. But because he does what he 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 frames the situation like he does, of course, Clark goes and gets a class ring. It's a red meteor rock, and it strips away people's inhibitions. And he um, is affected by this. Everybody's affected by this, and um, it just it's really really bad. Um, and he has asked Lana out on a date, but this new Clark doesn't care about her feelings. Um, this new Clark is hooking up with Chloe. This new Clark is, you know, uh, is hooking up with random girls, um, asking out random girls and kidding on girls right in front of her. And that's when Pete and Jonathan realize something's wrong with him. Like his personality's been hijacked. Right, yeah. Red is a really great, interesting episode, and there will be more episodes sort like not sort of like Red, but like Red in that they're great because they start to add to the mythology of this world. So we already know that kryptonite, like the me- the green meteor rocks, kryptonite is the the meteor rocks that 
that make Clark sick. Well, all the meteor rocks make Clark sick. But what's interesting is that, like, now there are different kinds of meteor rocks that will make Clark sick, but they make him sick in different ways. And red uh, kryptonite specifically um, doesn't necessarily change Clark's inner desires. It just kind of strips away, like you said, it strips away all his inhibitions and he acts on essentially all his feelings just without without care um uh and that's what is demonstrated in red and it it'll be demonstrated in like other episodes when when we get to them and he is has red kryptonite right the green kryptonite like makes him weak and the red kryptonite like makes him i guess um psychologically weak right the clark has a lot of fortitude like strength of mind specifically. And that's stripped away with red in this episode. He reveals to his father that, you know, he's pretty much resentful of having to live like this on, on, on the farm and that they're basically essentially using him to do the farm work of like eight or 10 men. And, you know, he, he loves Clark's powers when they're suitable for him, but otherwise wants to keep them under wraps and as the viewer, you can't help but hear a kernel of truth in this. Not just his feelings, but the statement itself. Jonathan is incredibly controlling of Clark. Um, and yeah, and I think that's the beauty of Red, and that's that would be the beauty of the use of the of the narrative use of Red Kryptonite, is that there is um is that like there is truth in everything that he is doing. He's not necessarily He's not himself, but at the same time, he's not not himself, if that makes sense. Right. This is just the other aspect of himself that he keeps hidden or stifled. He's had all these thoughts before. He's had all these feelings before. They're not new. Um, uh, We also... um, uh, We also um, get into the backstory of Lana Lang. There is a man who lives in Granville, uh, which is a larger city than Smallville, obviously, but smaller than Metropolis, who could possibly be Lana's biological father. And it turns out he is. Uh, I think, her, I guess her mom was having a whole affair. Um, and the man who raised her knew, but, you know, went along with it and kept his family together. Um, there, there's a couple great episodes uh, in this season and another season with uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who plays Ian Randall. Uh, this guy is like the most exemplary student. He's got straight A's. He's taking extra classes. He does a bunch of volunteer work. And the gag is he can split himself in two. Yeah, that and that's how he's doing everything, right? Is that he's he's splitting himself in two. And honestly, like there wasn't really anything he was doing that was evil until um uh Clark and Pete expose him. Right. Which and they expose him off of some like real pet it's off of some real petty shit. <laughs> like it's not off of like Right. I mean, yeah, he's duplicating himself, but at the same time, those are still his abilities and that's still his brain at work. Um, you know, if you're jealous, just say that. 
that, that's what I, and that's what I thought. Like right, like during the episode, I was like, Clark, if you're mad that he's fucking Chloe and Lana, and you're doing neither, like just say that, sir. But don't don't hate on the man's game. Right, right. Like he really wasn't hurting anybody until, um. Uh, P and uh, Clark expose him, and then he tries to kill Lana and Chloe, who he was dating at the same time. Um, again, in his defense, he was using two different bodies to date them. <laughs> um, like, there was no way he was going to get caught because he was going on a dates with them simultaneously. Um, that whole that character was honestly for me. I feel like his response to being able to duplicate himself is the typical teen boy response. Hell, it might be the typical human response. Um, you know, uh, capitalize on your time as much as humanly possible. Right. Um, and Clark, Clark, especially in season two, made a habit of exposing people that were minding their own business. And it's like, where's this energy when it's time to quote unquote, protect your secret. Right. Right. So, um, one of the big over, like, like we said, there's always a big overarching plot every season. And one of the big overarching plots, uh, this season, um, is tied to, with regards to Clark, uh, is tied to an episode that is horribly offensive and I don't want, and I don't want to talk about it and I'm not going to talk about it, but I do have to talk about this overarching plot. Um, like I'm really just blocking it from my mind, truly. But it has to do with indigenous peoples of uh of the Americas and the show just like going full going full white people and just, you know, writing a lot of really wrong, dumb things. But anyway, so on this episode where like a lot of dumb shit happens. <laughs> a lot of dumb writing happens with regards to indigenous people. There are like these caves. There are these caves and the caves have like Kryptonian symbols in them. They're, and, oh my God, even just recounting it, it's like, I feel stupid. But like, um, anyway, so the caves have a lot of Kryptonian symbols and everybody is like, what do the Kryptonian symbols mean? And nobody knows, really. Uh, but Clark knows that they are somehow connected to him because they are the same symbols on his spaceship. And so he is trying to learn more about themselves, more about himself. And in these Kryptonian uh, symbols and paintings or whatever, there is like a like there is a story contained within them about um essentially everything that went wrong on Krypton and why that he and why he his ass is on earth over some crazy shit that happened once upon a time on this planet somewhere else and basically and so one of the big overarching things it's like it's like the rush to it's um it's like the it's the rush to everybody it's like everybody's in like a rush to figure out first the meaning of the kryptonian symbols to, and to unlock the secrets so they can like understand you know the meaning of life or you know get money from the government the it's all very hazy nobody quite knows but they but the point is, is that it's important 
And so this, but it's, but for Clark, it's like, he's sort of for the first time being curious about where he comes from, what that means and, and how, and like how, what like his what is his purpose on earth as as was desired by his his actual father Jarrell and um and and that so so the, so we end the season with Clark putting like a key that goes into his ship he puts it into um this wall like he puts it, the key fits like a slot um, into the this cave, into one of these cave walls, and he um, is essentially like given a message by Jarrell about like so he's yeah he's given a message like by Jarrell, um, and Jarrell is like Kalel like this is your destiny you can't fight it I sent you here to rule earth and i need you to like get on that and do what i told you to do and clark does not really receive that well Mm -hmm. he's like i'm not really into that that feels like a lot honestly and jarell is like do not argue with me i don't care so in order to sort of run away from his destiny he clark at least ends up Clark tries to like destroy the ship by like putting like a like a Kryptonian key in it, like hoping that the ship will be destroyed in like he's running away from like his heritage or his destiny or whatever. And the his final act is to like put on red kryptonite to which honestly that's a bitch move, Clark. If you want to run away from home, just run away from home, okay? Don't use red kryptonite to help you run away from home. Just just be that dude if you want to do it. Mm. But the season ends with Clark rejecting his destiny, breaking Lana's heart, putting on red kryptonite, and um, leaving Smallville and running away. Uh, in other news, poor Lex married a nice doctor who was working in Smallville, turns out she cut a deal with his dad to (laughs) betray him. And his flight is, like, sabotaged, and he crash lands on, like, a desert island and is left to die because Lionel just, you know, felt like killing his son that day. Who deserves compassion more than the person whose father orchestrated his own death? Come on now. Come on. Come Every on. time and that- things happen to Lex, and then I have to hear one of these sanctimonious fucking speeches from Jonathan Kent's mouth, I want to throat punch that man. <laughs> Same. He's like, Lex, you don't understand, like, like, integrity. And it's like, I am just doing the best, okay? <laughs> like, like, who doesn't understand integrity? Because you would have snapped a long time ago, actually. The fact that Lex wasn't already a villain when they met him speaks volumes. <laughs> right i'm like the fact that the fact that lex has been able to keep a hold on like his his mental health in some semblance is really quite into adulthood with with lionel as a father is really quite like a feat like he should get an award like he should write books 
how to live with your narcissistic parent and not break mentally. Right. And to this day, Lionel's still trying to break him. That is literally all he tries to do. Sending Lexus Marvel, that was trying to break him. Seeing him thrive in this environment and then selling off the fertilizer plant, that was an attempt to break him. Everything he's ever done is not to make his son smarter, stronger, or more resilient. It was about humbling him and reminding him who's in charge. Like, yeah. And like when your dad is making you like as a as a kid, like re- like memorize like Sun Tzu, the art of war, like you're just not coming out of that like a healthy, well-adjusted person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is how season two ends. Season two. Season two was good. Um, that that twist with the with the fiance Helen, or the the fiance turned wife Helen. That was so much. That was um, ugly. I hated that. That hurt me. That really hurt me too. And honestly, if he, if the villain origin story had started right there, I wouldn't even been mad. <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, what do you think? Was season two good, bad, or basic? Season two is good again for me. I mean, well, I mean, hold on. It's good minus. Like, the fact that so, and it's good minus because it's like, the fact that so much of this was tied up in like, the this this horrible plot of like, the indigenous uh, people like worship these weird random Kryptonian, like that's weird, like that whole thing was weird. Like, I really hate, you know, so there's a thing called ancient aliens. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the kids are like young enough or old enough to remember ancient aliens on History Channel. But ancient aliens was essentially an exercise in white people being like people of color didn't actually do any of the cool shit that they did. It was actually aliens. Like that's the show, and um. Like, yeah, like, like, if, like, I'm not joking. That is legitimately the show. Like, the show is like, hey, you remember, you know, the pyramids and the Sphinx? And you know how, like, actually it was aliens. Hey, you know, like, all these, you know, and, and it's never, like, and they never have that energy for, like, Stonehenge or anything European. They're like, no, you know those Polyponesian, like, Polyponesian statues like you know the big heads on the eye on that on that on those Polynesian islands that nobody knows like they're they're just like erected they were erected by the indigenous peoples yeah like ancient aliens was like yeah you know you know those statues actually aliens like it's very and, much white people didn't do this so people of color couldn't do this couldn't do this yes it's very it's a very racist conceit and this like skin in this like skinwalkers episode and this whole idea of the caves and the indigenous people in painting the caves with the kryptonian symbols is basically ancient aliens but make it smallville and so i don't fuck with it for that reason so for me it's a good and and there's so much of it in this season that is that that plot is like dependent on like so much of the things are keep coming back to to these caves or whatever so it's because of that it's a good minus for me Mm, got it so season that made sense it does (laughs) what was your grade (laughs) i gave it a good because i 
I had blocked that Skinwalkers episode out of my mind, and it still is blocked. Nothing Same. you say can unblock it. <laughs> um, I have no memory, and I will continue to have no memory of this episode. Um, season three was 22 episodes. Um, uh, we open up with an episode called Exile. Clark, this is when Clark knowingly, willingly puts on some red kryptonite. He's sick right, of it. And he's ran away because he can't, like, really... And this and that's why I was like, Clark's a bit kind of, like, it's kind of a bitch move. Because it's like, he couldn't even just, you know, he couldn't, like, be... He couldn't run away on his own strength. You know what I mean? No, like, because that like, moral compass will keep... And, you know, being the, the... His father's voice in his head will bring him back. He needs to completely shed the inhibitions. And the red kryptonite allows him to do that. Honestly, I get it. I get the... I don't have the strength to stay gone on my own of my own volition, but I'm miserable here. So I need to be able to do this guilt-free. And that's what he's doing. He's in Metropolis and he's living it up. Yep. He's doing and big things. Exactly. So um Jonathan makes a deal with Jorel um to bring Clark home. And the deal's essentially that, you know, they want the same thing for Clark. They want him to be a good person. They don't want him to be corrupted. And the longer he wears the red kryptonite, the more it infects his personality. So that's the thing. It doesn't just take away your inhibitions. It makes him a worse person the longer he wears it. Mm -hmm. And listen, Uh, it's not like nobody knows where Clark is. Chloe actually knows where Clark is. (laughs) Yeah, you know, he's a metropolis. They just can't do anything about it. (laughs) Like, who's gonna check him? Who's going to check him? Who's going to bring him back? Nobody. Nobody. Um, so Jonathan makes a deal with Jorel, and Jorel basically gives Jonathan Kryptonian strength to uh, be able to, like, if he have to scrap it out with Clark, then he can do that. And he can stand his own. Because Clark's been stronger than Jonathan from the moment he landed here. <laughs> and only got stronger with time. But he goes to Metropolis and he does indeed, uh, um, by episode two, um, manage to um, manage to uh, bring Clark back home. Meanwhile, Lex is on this stranded island fighting for his life and what's left of his sanity because the world believes that he's dead. Yes, Lionel, he's been of course, dead. Except Lionel thinks his son is still alive. He's like, bitch, how are you still alive? <laughs> what? You know what? I don't fuck with Lionel. Says Lionel shit not. for real. He's like, if, if, if you made it, Lex would have made it because he's smarter than you. Where's my <laughs> It's Lionel's a very interesting character because in this scene, you would think he cares about Lex, but then he does so many other treacherous things. It's very clear. He's just upset because he's not controlling this particular narrative. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what it is. He's mad that like, cause you know, shout out to like the Lex's wife. Like she's out here giving tears, crying, putting on a memorial. She got him a nice little obelisk, you know, like an onyx one. I remember I watched, I was like, damn, that looks fire too. Like I, I was like, I kind of want that. Like as a, as a, mem- like as a tombstone with a, a nice little onyx obelisk with my name on it that's cute as hell that looks really good it was so classy 
it was very classy. And she, you know, she's out here crying and doing the things. And she's like, you know, I don't know what happened to Lex, but girl, I feel like Lionel could be responsible. I'm not <laughs> saying he is, but I feel like he could be because, you know, they were having problems. <laughs> Right, and I loved him. We had just gotten married. We didn't have right. no problems. Basically, um, she sent his ass up, and Lionel's like, now, bitch. Pretty much. But he's like, my son's alive. I know he's alive, because if you're alive, he's alive. Um, and, you know, shout out, um, you know, for for believing. Um, now, Lex comes back home in, see- in episode two, and he wrote he he finds out Helen tried to kill him. Um this, that, and the third. Uh um and it's a lot. That's because a lot. he knows Helen tried to kill him, but he knows also that he can't fully trust his father. Right. And this is what this is the tragedy of Lex, because it's like, damn, ain't nobody out here for me. Like no one for real. You should be able to trust your own parents. Like, you should be able to trust at the very least that they wouldn't intentionally harm you, right? Right. Like, like he he can't heard, be sure that, like, Lionel did not have a hand in, like, his plane going down. Like, if you can't say with certainty that my dad or my mom would not conspire to murder me, y'all have a real bad relationship. <laughs> it's really bad it's so 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 bad um this episode we have like a few more other major players like morgan edge um who to you know to spice things up um we have uh lana's great uncle um in a couple episodes um the helen character is I don't think she's ever locked up, right? She escapes. Yeah. She's just so she's out she, here still. Well, like, yeah, she I don't even think she gets locked up. She just leaves. She like basically Lex gets home. He's like, I'm gonna need you to get out. Like, and she, you know, she gets out there and she cries and she's like, Baby, I love you. And he's like, That's nice and everything, girl, but I need you to go. Right. He's like, I can't believe a word that you're saying right now. Um and then we have uh, Alicia. She's one of my favorite love interests for Clark. Very short-lived, but very steamy. We meet Alicia this season. And uh, he's forced to use his powers in front of her because they're in an elevator together and they're going to fucking die <laughs> if he doesn't. And um, when he does this, she shows him that she has powers of her own. Uh, but Alicia becomes very possessive very possessive um she has feelings for clark and she's she's not trying to share him with anybody so she actually poses a threat to everyone around him especially lana um alicia is a pretty girl i don't know why she's trying so hard (laughs) but right uh, she's a very very pretty girl like she didn't need to do all this clark was feeling her until she went off the deep end um but the alicia character does like circle back um, in season three, we're going to see a little bit more of her. Um, uh, we also get two episodes of a character named Emily Dinsmore, who was Lana's best friend growing up, and she died real young. Um, I, I mean, this was clearly a way to pad Lana's backstory a little bit and give her something more than the dead parents to speak of. 
Right. So I want to talk about an arc that happens in season three, and it happens through... Um, it happens uh, uh, episode six through episode nine. Uh, the episodes are Relic, Magnetic, Shattered, and Asylum. So let's talk about them. Like, woo, because this was, woo, this was a moment. Okay, so this is what happens. So what happens is Lex, so Chloe over the summer over the first six episodes, did some investigative reporting, did some investigations about uh, the the Luther family fortune and where it actually comes from. So Chloe finds out that Lionel killed his own parents in order to, killed his own parents in a tenement fire in order like that. And he did this for Morgan Edge. And Morgan Edge then gave, in exchange, gave him the money for setting this fire to this building that he knew his parents were going to be in, that he burned to the ground. Um, uh, And that's how he got the money to start Luther Corps. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. Because Jonathan keeps trying to have this nature versus nurture conversation when um, ultimately nothing that he and Martha do um, can change, uh, you know, Clark's genetic makeup, right? And despite everything that Lionel has done, Lex is still a good person. This man is a whole sociopath. He killed his own parents for money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so 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 let so so basically Lex Lex is essentially Lex is trying to find a reason, find a way to get his dad off the board of Luther Corp. So because Chloe uncovers this, Chloe somehow through machinations, this information gets to Lex. And Lex is like, oh, okay. And so when Lionel realizes that this information has gotten to Lex, Lionel orchestrates, or from, from Metropolis, Lionel orchestrates and pays off Lex's doctor to and tells Lex's doctor to start giving him medication to cause a psychotic break, essentially. And yeah, that way he can have his son declared mentally incompetent. Incompetent. And so that's what he does. He, he had like Lex has. And so at the same time that the, these medications are taking effect and Lex is having the psychotic break, like at the same time, that's when Lex sees with his own two eyes, like beyond the confusion of, of the, of the, the 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 crash that happened in the pilot, that's when Lex sees with his own two eyes that let that like of Clark's secret. Like he he knows the truth. He figures it out. He's like that. He's like I knew it. I knew it. But he is then also declared mentally unfit. So this causes us to have a, a peek into a uh, uh, Bell Reeve and Bell. Because then Lex is sent to and committed to Bell Reeve because 
Lionel has uh, orchestrated Lex's memory to to be broken, or Lex's brain to be broken. So, Belle Reeve is like basically the Arkham Asylum of um, small of of the of Superman. That feels that's right, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, no one's getting waterboarded there, and it's much more clean and hygienic. But yes, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> so like, no one gets better there. Nobody gets better there. So Lex is committed, and he is sitting in Bell Reef. And by the way, and and then and so and then Clark finds out essentially that Lionel is the one that that did this. That Lex is not actually crazy, and he is because Lex. Not Lex. Clark goes to visit Lex in Belle Reve. And when uh, Clark goes to see Lex in Belle Reve, Lex is elated because he's like, oh, my God, thank you. You're here. I knew Lex is like, I knew you would come to get me. Like, my dad is doing this. Like, he's causing this. And, you know, and, and Clark is like, in, in, you know, Lex is like, I know your secret and just know that like, I'll protect you. Like, I'm not going to tell anybody. Lex is like, I know your secret Clark. And like, I, of course I wouldn't tell anybody. Like I'm going to, I'm going to protect you, but, but you have to get me out of here. Like I'm not crazy. Mm. And what does Clark do? Clark is like, well, girl, you know, I would and everything, but I, I can't, I'm sorry, honey. And you know, who convinces him to not do this? Fucking Jonathan Kent. <laughs> you know you've crossed the line when Jonathan is showing more compassion than you. I'm sorry, what? but do you did you he actually contemplated leaving his quote unquote best friend to rot in that place to protect his secret. And honestly, I do blame Jonathan because Jonathan's is the one who put it in his mind that protecting his secret matters more than other people. Well, no, well, like, and that's, well, see, no, that's the worst part. Cause like in the episode, Clark is like, so when Clark leaves Belle Reeve, he goes to like Jonathan, it's, it's him Jonathan and Martha. And Clark is like, you should have seen him dad. Like he's so broken in there. And Jonathan is like, well, you know, Clark, I know we said that your secret isn't worth, your secret is not worth more than somebody's life or someone's livelihood, but this time you should sit this one out and just let Lex stay in there. And I was like, Jonathan Kent. <laughs> and, and I was like, like, he hates, he hates Lionel Luthor that much. And I was like, between all these fucking people, like, I really understand. I really understand Lex. Like, I really, I get it. Like, I get it, Lex. I really do. I get why you're going to do the things you're going to do. Because honestly, None of these, like, none of these hoes have love for you, so why should you have love for any of these hoes? Like, I get it. That's all I'm saying. And it was, it was crazy. So, but Clark eventually, even though Jonathan is like, stay out of it, whatever Lionel is doing, because, and, but Clark is eventually moved to break Lex out. And he is only moved to break Lex out once Chloe discovers that one Lionel's that Lionel had paid off his doctors and had caught paid off his doctors and um, was the one that caused Lex to purposely have a psychotic break. And then two, once they find out that Lionel has paid off even more people and that Lionel need is going to 
shock, electroshock Lex so that he loses all his short-term memory so that he forgets this information that he, that um, Lionel killed his own parents. It's, right. It's only then when Alex, Lex is about to be like, a, like his brain could be damaged forever that Clark is like, yeah, I should go and like save him. Like that's bad. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even care when he was being held prisoner in there. And the thing is, they sh- often portray Superman as having this like um, great moral compass. But in Smallville, the person with the moral compass is consistently Chloe. It doesn't matter to her how much she likes or dislikes someone. The facts are the facts. The truth is the truth. A Clark position changes based on who he's dealing with. Because if Lana saw his powers, he wouldn't leave her in there. Right, he wouldn't leave her in there. If Lana's in trouble, we we fix it. If Pete's in trouble, we fix it. If Chloe, even though, it, it, even if it's in a condescending way, which happens this season, if Chloe's in trouble, we fix it. If Lex is in trouble, we wait around and see if that's, like, a good idea and we, like, talk to a bunch of people and maybe, maybe. He consistently shows how he undermines he actively undermines his friendship with line with with Lex to the point where it becomes completely one-sided. It does. It's very one-sided. And then and and Lex is trying so hard. And if Lex does even like a tiny thing that is not, I think, within Clark's desire, what he thinks of as in, like integ- like having integrity, like or having, or the behavior that he finds acceptable, he, like, tears Lex a new one. He's like, no, you're not a, like, and that's another thing of, like, yes, this is a Lex Luthor origin villain story, because Lex is, Lex will try so hard, and Lex will maybe color outside the lines for the sake of protecting Clark, or protecting Lana, or protecting Chloe. But once he does that behavior that's outside the lines, even though it's for the purpose of protecting people they all care about, Clark is always ready to rip him a fucking new one. Always. He's yeah, it's like always there. The Jonathan Kent handbook of how to be a little cunt. Um, <laughs> because here's the thing. When Clark does the exact same behaviors to protect himself, it's not bad, right? Right. It's not bad. When he's being selfish, it's not bad. But when Lex is going above and beyond to protect the people that he calls his friends, all of a sudden it's a problem. Right. So so in the end of this of this particular arc of these episodes, Clark doesn't like we said, Bell Reeve is Arkham Asylum. So all these past villains, freak of freaks of the week, are sitting in Bell Reeve. And they all sort of band together to try to take Clark's powers. So ultimately Clark fails and Lex, it like Lex's brain is fried. Um, and he forgets Lex forgets, uh, that he saw Clark use his powers and, and forgets everything and, and fucking Jonathan. And it's really actually tragic. Like when you see it, like, you know, like not Lex Clark, when he, finally visits Lex when he's been released from Bella Reeve and, and he's back in at the mansion, he Clark feels a real sense of guilt and shame that he did not save his friend. Um, 
from having his mind fucked, like, wiped. And it, it's it's just interesting because it's the first sort of, like, real palpable sense of, like, like Clark did a bad thing um, that we, that kind of happens in the series. Right. It still doesn't stop him and his father from thinking that they're better people than Lex, of course. Of but course. he feels bad. And the way that this is communicated on the show is really, really interesting. No matter what Clark does, his parents insist that he's a good person. No matter what Lex does, they insist that he's a bad person. Mm -hmm. It's like those roles were set in stone to the point where they became self-fulfilling prophecies. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really bad. But what do we think of season three? Good, bad, or basic? Uh, season three is really good to me. Like, it all, all the stuff, like, heats up. Um, it's, like, I was, like, you know, the season ends, by the way, with, like, a real heavy hitter. So, like, Lex, Lex, because, because don't ever count Lex out. And this is something also I like about Lex. It's, like, you know, nobody is here for him, but he, Lex is gonna find a way to to claw from the, from the deepest depths. He's going to find a way to claw out from all of it and, and still try to come out on said, Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. And he has that. He does have that. And so, so it, I, so I, uh, so Lex eventually like recovers his memories, although he can't, he doesn't quite recover the incident that he saw with um the he didn't see Clark using his powers. He didn't recover that, but he recovers enough of his memories to remember that uh Lionel killed his parents. And what does Lex do? He is like ja jail. <laughs> jail. Jail. Ja jail. Uh and uh, yeah, Lionel ends the season locked up. Locked up. But of course, of course, he's got connects. He's got pull. He still has money. So um, he he tries to get his son poisoned. Yes, he tries to poison. He poisons Lex. Um, and he mm, orchestrates Chloe's murder. Because Chloe is also somebody... Because Chloe was the one that found the evidence. Um, and it's it's a wild way to end season three. And this is why I always thought that Chloe and Lex would make a good couple. And that the only reason she wasn't feeling Lex like that was because she was still holding that ridiculous torch for Clark. Because I really feel like Chloe, like I said, she uh, she's unbiased in her journalism. And I feel like if anyone could have been the, the moral compass for Lex, it should have been Chloe. Mm. Clark does not... Clark himself is not morally upright enough to be holding Lex accountable for anything. <laughs> That's true, because Clark lives in a world of hypocrisies. Oh my God, so much freaking hypocrisy. And let's not count Lex Luthor out ever, because like in the Marvel universe, Tony Stark is like the smartest person, right? In the DC universe, Lex Luthor is the smartest person. Um... The Smallville doesn't really show us that side of Lex Luthor, but this is canon. He is the smartest person. It doesn't matter what powers you have or or what abilities you think you have. 
his 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 brain not his money is what makes lex so um formidable and this is the reason why in the comics he has this lesion of of uh media freaks working for him uh because he's always a step ahead of other people he's really good at reading people he knew there was something different about clark the day they met and he's been gaslit for years now right um, yeah, and I think in Smallville, at least the show, Lex is very cunning, and I do think that the writing does a good job of, like, um, demonstrating the, like, Lex's cunning, um, and, and how, how smart he is. So, so season three ends with, like, yeah, Chloe is, Lionel orchestrates Chloe's murder, he poisons Lex, Clark has been via the caves has been kidnapped again by Jarrell. Not necessarily kidnapped. He goes willingly, but he has been taken by Jarrell in order to for Jarrell to um uh make him who he's supposed to be in in the world. And that's that's how we end season three. Also I just want to say John Glover. John Glover is the actor who plays Lionel. I don't know what John Glover is doing now, but um, if times are hard, John Glover, know that you can always be like a hair influencer for white men. Over, yes. over yes. Like yeah, he has so much body. It's, it's like the greatest hair, like the greatest hair. You can be like how to fight miles, like, like male pattern baldness, be like a hair influencer, sell some like hair pills. Do nothing like, but sell hair oils. <laughs> Right, like that's that that could really be your bag, John Glover. So if you happen to come across this, <laughs> do it. Yeah, I mean, sell the white wild growth oil to the white people because right now I think it's like a black people thing. Right, but yes, sell it. Do get get on them Rogaine commercials. Do what you got to do. Um, but the season actually ends with him in jail, shaving his head, while Clark goes on to like a uh, Kryptonian summer mentorship program. <laughs> what it is <laughs> like that's how that ends um and it's 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 been a it's been a wild ride it's been a wild uh it's been a wild ride and honestly i feel like the person who suffered the most was lex yeah lionel's going through it but these are just the consequences of his actions coming back to bite him listen lex was going through it like he was really just taking lash after lash and trying to figure out how to come out on the other side. And I, you know, I I have a lot of respect for him because it couldn't be me, girl. I would have just, I don't know, I would have left Kansas, wouldn't go back to Metropolis either. I would go to Central Pay and just stay there. I'd be like, y'all do whatever y'all trying to do. Like, I'm done with this. Um, and shout out to Michael Rosenbaum, who plays Lex Luthor, for shaving his head for this role every single day. No, that wasn't latex on his head. He shaved his head every single day. Every yep. single day of filming. That is what we call dedication. That's what we call dedication. Dedication. Thank for Love real, to thank you. And honestly, when I first saw him in that first episode, I'm thinking of the very bus- muscular Jim Bro Lex as depicted in the comics. And I'm like, why do they have this skinny kid out here playing Lex? It took about 30 minutes for me to realize how well cast he was. 
So well cast. And you know, it was not supposed to be him. It was supposed to be uh, Zachary Levy, like the Chuck from Chuck. Yeah, but the, the it was. But the creators say that his audition was so horrible. Um, he was their first choice. Then he auditioned and they were like, nah, bro. <laughs> um, I, I feel bad about it, but I think they made the, the right choice. I really don't see it for Zachary Levy. I really don't. Um, Tom Welling yeah. was another super hesitant he refused to audition until he read the pilot and then he finally auditioned and they were like it's great he's the one um and the martha kent role was actually given to someone else and she filmed the pilot and after filming the pilot everyone agreed that she was wrong for this role and annette o'toole was on another show that got canceled and was able to take on this role fun fact annette o'toole actually played lana lang in superman 3 the movie check it out she's great um but i think in the end they got the right people for the right roles i can't stress enough to how our villain for the duration of the series lionel luthor might be one of the best casting decisions i've seen on any wb show ever <laughs> yeah yeah. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, I'm not going to sleep on John Schneider as Jonathan Kent either, because he has just enough of, of Americana and just enough um, uh, uh, arrogance and just enough um, we're poor, so we're better than other people to make this work. <laughs> It was, it was, it was, it was wild. So season, yeah, season three, season three is great for me. Um, I really like it. I really, it's, it's sort of like a height of everything that we, we had done before. And I, I liked it and it's good. Um, season four is next time, but like, know that that shit uh, was crazy and it's it's only gonna get crazier from from here on out yeah smallville increasingly pumps up the action with every season and i enjoy that um uh you know spoiler alert i actually don't think the show starts to go off the rails like completely off the rails until season seven but we're gonna talk more about that later oh that's <laughs> interesting because i think it totally goes off the rails in season four <laughs> i feel like again it could always be pulled back right it's only by season seven where I'm like, too much damage has been done. <laughs> because season four is when we start with this, like, dumb, like, Lana's a witch, witch plot. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Because it's, it's, it's a lot. And I think they were, again, they were just trying to build her an identity apart from being Clark's love interest. And, like, we didn't ask for that, actually. It's fine. And it's, and it's strange because I feel like she does have one. I just, and this is why, like, I... I mean, I get why they cast Kristen Kirk, but I also don't get why they cast Kristen Kirk because, or maybe it's because um, she, there is a lot of stuff that like, I feel like it's as an identity that Lana already has to make her like really gritty, like not really gritty, but like to have some sort of grit. Like the fact that she, the fact that like her parents are dead that she feels abandoned by this father figure. That she's that running really... a business as a teenager. Right, she's running a whole business by herself as a teenager. Like, and also going to school. And I think that stuff just needed to be, like, worked a bit more. And I think a better actress would have, like, 
internalized that sort of like tiredness and like the tiredness of like her her life already and then on top of it this boy that she loves keeps fucking lying to her and she knows that shit like deep down mm-hmm. like i think a better a more i don't know i like a better actress would have like embodied that better but like i don't know like i don't know i don't know cuz cuz that's really it to me is that like Kristen Kirk is Kristen Kirk like learns quickly on the show but like for these first years she's she's not that great of an actress and she gets better but she never quite I think fully realizes the Lana role in in a way I think another actress could have I mean honestly I'm okay with the way that she portrays Lana but I think that's because I like the chemistry that the cast has all together I like the way that her chemistry with Tom Welling her chemistry with Michael Rosenbaum, her chemistry with Allison Mack. There are quite a few scenes of them together because, you know, Lana and Chloe live together briefly. I'm not mad at any of it. I'm really, really not. Um, but like you said, she's only doing so much as an actress. And giving her more, I think, was not the right move. It wasn't. I To me, it wasn't. It was not the right move at all. Like, I... And I understand why. Like, I get... And and listen, I get it. Like, later we're going to talk about everything that happens. But, like, you know, in these first... Like, because, like, you know, eventually Lana and Lex hook up. But, like... And I... I remember on my first watch of the show, like, I didn't understand it. Like, it felt like it was out of nowhere. But now, now doing a rewatch, I see that they were building it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, I do see that. But it's, like, they're all... But also, like, you can't really quite get that. And I do think it's because of her performance and, and, and the quality of, of just who she is as an actress. And there you have it, folks. That's every. This is everything that we think made the first three seasons of Smallville good, bad, basic, and unforgettable. If you'd like to check out this series, Smallville is currently streaming on Hulu. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. If you're a patron, be sure to check out our Smallville playlist full of amazing classic throwbacks. Jimmy Eat World. Uh, whoever does the theme song, forget their name. Um, oh, <laughs> all American rejects. So good. Get into that. Tune in next week as we keep this season going and continue our discussion on the hometown hero turned global justice warrior. You don't want to miss out on this conversation. The good, the bad, the basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms. So tune in to our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. You can find us at the Good Bad Basic on Twitter and at Good Bad Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron over on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.